So I'm going to give my brother, Zach Abraham, a big challenge. Can we find any, any good financial news? Because the figurehead, oh, it's just, well, I'll tell you about it. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. My brother, Zach Abraham, joins me, and man, Zach, last week we premiered the video show, and it was dynamic, and now tech demons. I'm telling you, we know the tech industry is owned by atheist leftists. I think they're bedeviling us, man. I think they, they're afraid of you and I as a combination because we're downgraded today to a cell phone, so Zach's not going to sound great. But we'll make it work. We'll make it work. It's about the content, isn't it, Zach? They're after us. At least I hope so. Right? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a badge of honor. I mean, we can only hope. If, yeah. if the big tech gods are aimed at us, that means we're doing something right. And that means that the God that actually matters is probably smiling about it. Right. So the one and true God. Right. Right. If they're worried about us, we're winning, man. Yeah. Uh, and let me just lay this out for you because well, I'm going to, I've said, I'm going to give you this challenge today. There's so much to discuss in the world of finance, but let's just go through some recent happenings. Um, the figurehead <laughs> has been caused to uh, issue this so-called loan forgiveness college loan forgiveness. Uh, we're going to talk about the details of that. I don't want it to give it away to the audience yet, but um, 20,000 bucks, that's coming up. People can get that. There's some details you and I would discuss about that. Um, the According to Bloomberg Finance, the Federal Reserve is in the red. I don't even understand how that can happen since they invent money when they want money. And now there's been another drawdown from the strategic petroleum reserves of 7.7 million barrels in the last week. Uh, and China is reselling our natural gas at a tidy profit. What did I miss in the world of finance this week that will give us this challenge to find good news? <laughs> okay, so let's take it from the top. Well, we not, I mean, is, yeah, is there anything else to add to the list before we even try to get good news? Anything you could add to the list of challenges of the week financially? Uh, well, I mean, the good news would be, I mean, we're talking today and the Dow was up, you know, 900 points. S&P was up 2.7% or something like that. So the folks could take that as good news. Uh, if you'd like to, I'll get to the other thing. If you want to come back to that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will, I will explain why I don't think that's good news at all. Um, but, but no, it's, it's not, look, if, if you care, and I think the majority of the people that probably listen to this podcast and listen to you, I think they probably by definition care about the truth. Um, there, there really isn't anything good, to, good to point to. And, and you and I have been talking you know, pretty much every week about the feckless nature of this administration and how off, <laughs> it's just, just, 
I, yeah, you know what, fill in the blank, right? Like just how off the reservation they are. And then the, the, um, I, I don't really, you're not going to hear in the American media, but the Saudis releasing that letter today that they sent to him. Well, they sent to the figurehead. Yeah. They, yeah. Oh, you didn't see this. Oh yeah. No, but tell, but tell the people. Yeah. I saw it. So, so he came out saying they'll bear consequences and they came out and literally released a letter that was basically a summation of the conversations they'd had with him. And he was begging them to not delay the cut until after the midterms, the cut, right? The cuts in in production, the cut in production. He was begging them to delay it. Now, I, I, I want people to stop and think about that. He lowers himself and kisses the slippers of the Saudi government and yet excoriates American producers that are doing the exact same thing, right? I, I, it, that, I mean, if you, <laughs> if, you, if you know nothing else and you just get that, you'll understand how backwards and how completely messed up this whole situation is. Yeah. And I, you read the minutes of that and I'm laughing because I'm sitting there going, yep, that's pretty much what I expected. He was saying to them, (laughs) you know, like not surprised. Let's explore that further as we talk with Zach Abraham, knowyourriskradio.com, uh, Chief Investment Officer, Bulwark Capital Management. And let's, yeah, let's sit and soak in the realization that this would be very much like um, you laying hands on your kids because they didn't mow the lawn. And and you know, not that I'm saying that Joe Biden's our, 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 our father, God forbid, or we'd all be in therapy. The entire nation would have been abused. And... Then go into the neighbors. We are being abused. Yeah. And then go into the neighbors and saying, hey, why don't I pay you a thousand bucks an hour to mow my lawn? Neighbor kids. Um, I, I am not wearing, yesterday I was wearing um, the Bone Frog coffee hat and, and Zach got all jealous. So we're going we're gonna to arrange to get him a Bone Frog coffee hat. Let me lay out a financial challenge. Zach, am I off base to say that sometimes we don't give enough credence to value versus cost? <laughs> I don't think we ever give a credence to value toward cost. And and if you've got a portfolio that's down 50 to 60% this year, that's what that means. All right. So let's, you don't, you don't, don't, but let's apply it to coffee. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. I've had some people go to the bonefrog.us website. Look at the coffee's amazing. Uh, God country team. Um, It's on all the bags. We got that. Um, we love the story. 25 year Navy veteran, Navy SEAL, Tim Cruikshank. We know they hire vets whenever they can. We know that they work with veteran owned companies, companies whenever they can. Uh, we know that they give proceeds to the families of Navy SEALs who gave their lives in service of this country. We know all that, but the coffee's a little bit more expensive and I get it, man. We're sitting here talking about finance, but it's not more expensive than, than any other great coffee. It's small batch. The coffee legend is their mentor and, in fact, produces some of the roasts. That's Dave Stewart, who started Seattle's Best Coffee. They were such a problem. Starbucks had to buy them. They were that good. Mm-hmm. And Dave still makes some of the roasts, and, and the taste is extraordinary. Um, so here's the deal. You can buy the Costco or the Texaco or the, the you know, the McCoffee McCoff. Uh, you could do that. And what's Bone the- drugs better. Yeah, on a taste, right? But then there's the value, right? And you say the taste is better. You're testifying to that. 
Well, I'm saying the taste versus the cost is better. Like, yeah. like I, I, we were having this conversation with a client just the other day. I was listening to one of my guys talk to a client and they asked me to come on the call and the client goes, well, I can go to Vanguard and do this for free. Why would I pay you guys 1%? And we go, no, I go in your Vanguard portfolio. You're down 25 in our portfolios are down too. We just, we just covered 15 <laughs> years of your fee. Right. Okay. The reason I buy bone frog is the exact same thing. It's just better. And money's going to veterans. Many's going like, I, yeah, well I pay a little surcharge over that darn right. Yeah. I will. And right. it's phenomenal. Yeah. And by the way, a lot of times, depending on the coffee you're buying, I talked to some of my young friends who are, you know, love great coffee. This is, it's not more expensive. It's less expensive. And let's just think about the value again. Your money is going to kind of a parallel economy. Tim Crookshake's not supposed to own a coffee company. He's not a member of the liberal club. He didn't grow up with a Harvard, you know, silver spoon injected in his head. You know, Tim Tim made himself with the grace of God. He's a Christian man and recognizes he's been given a company to steward. It's bonefrog.us. Uh, it's a great point about the Saudis because the figurehead wants us to believe that he went to them and threatened them. And, oh, man, no one, no one, uh, no one F words. with. And he did say that. F's the, with the Biden. He said the full word. Uh, no one uh, yeah. F words with the Bidens. Except for drug dealers and Saudi Arabia and uh, Ukraine and Russia and China and oh, I, I'm sure we could name some other people who have, in fact, messed with uh, the Biden family and, and own them in some way. I'm sure we could. Um, Hunter. Well, yeah, <laughs> Hunter. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> let's um, let's examine what the figurehead has been caused to do with the student loan. And let me lay it out this way. Let me lay this out to the people. If you walked into your bank and said, uh, I paid off my house. And um, well, how would you do it this way? Hey, you know what? I over uh, I put too much money in my savings account this month. Can I have twenty thousand dollars? I just I need to take twenty grand out. And the, and the bank said, okay, just uh, happy to do that to you. It's your, for you. It's your money. Uh, can we get some ID, please? No, I don't. I'm not going to give you an ID. Well, can you prove that you're a member of the bank? <laughs> I'm not proving anything. To say it in the words of the figurehead, I'm not proving anything, Jack, and, and that's no joke. Folks, the $20,000 available for people to go get because of college loan rebates requires no proof that you are, in fact, owed that money. You don't have to prove that you are a college loan recipient. Uh, you don't have to prove you're you. So how in the name of all that's holy, and we talked about this a little bit before, but Zach, are you telling me not a single reporter, finance reporter gets that this is absolute theft? I don't think, um, first of all, if you, it was funny. We had a client walk in. This is today, actually. Yeah. Client walked in for the first time, and they're a client that listens to your podcast. That's how they learned about us. Yeah. So they walk in today, and uh, we've got our TV on in the in the in the main room of the offices here, and it's got the Mariners game on. And uh, 
he, he was joking around. He's like, oh, I figured it'd be like finance. And I go, oh, I don't allow CNBC or any type of financial journalism in our office. And he goes, why? And I go, because we actually want to make money. Um, <laughs> and, and, and what I mean by that is, guys, everything you watch is entertainment. If you want to lose money, watch Jim Cramer and CNBC. And I'm not excoriating Jim Cramer. I actually think Jim Cramer's trying to do a service for people. I, I actually do. I don't think he's a, he's a bad guy. Yeah. Um, but, but it's entertainment. They're trying to keep you involved, right? Yep. Like I learned that probably three years into my career because everybody that's anybody has CNBC going on in their office, right? And Bloomberg and they're paying attention. It's noise. It's nonsense. These people are idiots. If they actually could manage money, they wouldn't be on the TV. They'd be managing money. Why? Because it's the highest paying profession in the world. A lot more than journalism. Okay. And uh, journalists are idiots. So I think a lot of them report things that are completely nonsensical and are complete non sequiturs. And I don't think they know it. I, 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 you know, it's like, you know, today is a perfect example, right? The rally we had today. Well, we're recording on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. The folks are listening to it on Friday. It was recording on Thursday and I, we, our phones are ringing off the hook. What's going on? We, we, you know, what's changed? And I go, guys, nothing. Okay. So what got announced today was higher than expected inflation. Yesterday, we announced higher than expected wholesale inflation. Rates went up and unemployment ticked up. That is what we call the quadfecta. Okay. Of bad. Like, they, you, oh, it couldn't have been worse. Right. So markets plunge in the first 20, uh, 15, 30 minutes of trading. I'm on the phone with my trader because I'm. I, I was actually going to my Bible study this morning. We were up at five thirty because the CPI data release got released at eight thirty Eastern, and we knew we knew it moved the market. And I'm on the phone with my trader, and fifteen minutes in the trading day, uh, the Dow was down almost six hundred points, but the volatility index was flat. And I looked at him, and I or I'm, I didn't look at him. I'm on the phone, and I go sell sell half of all of our shorts, sell half of our hedges. And the reason I did that is when you see the market down steep and the volatility index flat, usually what it signals is a short squeeze, meaning, or, or not a short squeeze, but, but, but. You got to explain it that. Means that short, short squeeze, it sounds like you might toss a, um, a small person. <laughs> okay. So, um, and, and our phones are ringing off the hook today. They're like, what people need to realize is that markets are not reality. Right. It, it is a one moment. Market prices reflect the last price that someone was willing to pay for a security. It does not reflect value. OK. And there are a lot of mechanics built in. So so my trader looks at me. I walk into the office. We sell half of our shorts when the Dow's down about five hundred and fifty points. By the time I get in the office, the Dow's up about four hundred points. And he goes, what happened? And I look at him and I go, well, we sold half of our shorts, didn't we? And, and he kind of looks at me funny. And I go, that, that's what happens. When you're in a bear market and guys like me are short going into a news thing today, and I see the markets falling off a cliff, but I see the volatility index flat, it tells me that there isn't real fear out there. And I'm going to take my profits on the shorts, right? I'm betting against the market. I'm going to take my profits and I'm going to sit on the sidelines and see what happens. 
Well, thank God, because we get calls wrong. I'm not saying we get every call right. Nobody does. But thank God today we did that. And what happened, people, people see the market up today and they go, oh, there's, things are turning. You go, no, 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 no. That was guys like me betting short saying, hey, this doesn't look right. We're going to take our profits and step aside, right? And the way you close out a short is by going long, right? By buying. So when you're betting against something and you sell that thing that, you know, that's making you money when markets are falling, that's effectively like buying stock. So if all the guys are selling their shorts, right, taking profits on them, then it creates a, a short squeeze, it, 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 meaning that, that there's more buying coming in because we're taking. And this is where retail investors get killed. They see a day like Thursday today, but when folks are listening to it, it's on Friday. And they're like, oh, there's something good. The, the news that came out today, Todd, couldn't have been worse. Right. Inflation was higher. Service inflation was higher. Goods inflation was higher. Uh, yesterday, wholesale inflation was higher. Rates went up, and oh, by the way, the unemployment rate up. Went, unemployment rate went up too. So, but it's us sitting there looking at the dynamics of the market, right, and pulling out or, or or readjusting things. And this is where people get killed because they see it going up and they go, "Oh, got to get back in. We got to get back in." No, no, you don't. And, and it's going to cave right back in on top of you. I think now I could be wrong. That's it. it you know, markets are crazy, especially this one, but um, no, nah, it's, it, it's, it's a mess. And let me see if I can wind this back to um, some common parlance or common explanations here. Um, I think I've told this story before that I got accidentally invited to a Microsoft poker event. Okay. I'd been in the company in years and it was a it was a charity event, and you had to put some money in, and a, and a fairly you know a fairly significant amount of money. And the organization uh, Art with a Heart was funding it, and I don't know where they've gone. I, I assume they're complete social justice warriors now, but it was using art as therapy for children. So I thought, hey, I like it. I researched them. At that time, they weren't liberal; they were just helping kids. And so I went, and it was like, oh. Uh, uh, Todd, like, I know it was a mistake, but I haven't seen you guys in a long time. And then the guys that came out and said, you know what? Happy mistake. We're so glad to have you here. It was a really fun night. So I'm playing against largely a group of engineers <clears throat> and I watch the, um, I watch marketers like me or strategists like me getting peeled off the tables because they don't know the math. Well, I know the math, not at the level of a mathematician, not at the level of some quant, but I know poker math. And I'm, I'm but enough to know you're getting snowed. Right. And so I know, I know poker math, but more than that, I also know engineers and I know that I'm going to just play the people and to the shock of everybody made it to the final table. So I'm in the money. And I, as I sat at the, at the table, I'm looking over here. Okay. That guy's a PhD in quantum physics. Literally. This guy has advanced degrees in machine learning, you know, he knows all math. And the other guy was an advanced mathematician too. I'm the only non-math guy at the table. They know that. So what's my decision? My decision is I am not going to let you put me on any hand. I'm going to play so irrationally, right? I'm going to play all over the place and I have a big yep. enough stack that I'm going to protect my, my big stack, but I am going to put you on tilt. 
So I I start making a bunch of calls I shouldn't make and I'm getting beat and they're thinking I'm not playing the math. And then I put this guy on a hand. I had him figured out. I put him on a hand and I drove him to a big decision and he thought, oh, he's bluffing again. He's been bluffing all night. And Zach, when I laid over the nuts, I showed him I had this hand cold. He went on a complete emotional tilt. He goes, none of this makes any sense. You shouldn't have been calling all night. You should have been raising me this whole time. And you're checking all the time. What are you doing? I go, oh, I, I don't yeah. know. It's just, yeah. it's, I'm overwhelmed. You guys are so mathematical. Um, and then the last thing I did was, um, you know, uh, I, I laid on a bad beat and I was bluffing. It was like the next hand. And, yeah. and he, yeah. he goes completely on emotional tilt, you know, and, and I told him, I said, Omar, look, I, I, I'm sorry, man. I was confused. I thought I had something <laughs> and he has no idea. So what I'm saying about the market is there's a lot of people behind the scenes who understand the game and they're playing, they're playing people too, right? Certainly you mm-hmm. guys are playing math, but you guys are not dishonest players. You steward money. You are, your money's tied up in this. Not, you know, 90% of your family's net worth is in bulwark. So you guys are tied up in this, but I'm looking at the big institutional players, the, yeah, I'll, you know, we'll say Tom Steyer again. Um, we'll say George Soros. They're playing people too, except they're playing the retail investor. That's what 100%, I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. talk about this further. No, you're- we'll, we'll talk about this further in a second. Um, and, yeah. and, and, and we'll check that for a good metaphor. I have a friend of mine um, who can't hide emotion. Uh, and, and that was the other thing during that, that night. Mathematicians can't hold emotion. Like, no, right no. There, and I, I can look at him and I see the math. Not when it goes against them. No. Not when it goes against them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. They're talking, stoic when it's going their way. Right. Talking with Zach Abraham. He's the chief investment officer, Bullock Capital Management. And what we're describing, I mean, it's a risky environment. That, that should be clear. And what Zach does is he focuses on risk management. In fact, you just heard a great example of that. Hey, here's some news that's going to affect the financial market. We're planning ahead. And he also, you know, there's there's people who do this on their own. And okay, maybe you've done super well and you've got this all nailed. I would just ask, do you have a trader and a quant? And are you at scale? Because when we're talking about the way the party has worked its way into every single corner of the economy, when they're now talking about forcing people to buy electric cars, what's the next thing they're going to force you to buy? Who knows? That's risk. Uh, we're going to talk about the new Moderna business model. You're not going to believe this. When the game is that intense and the, the irrationality is that profound, you're in a situation of risk. And here's the deal. Let me explain it this way. If you are playing a poker game, I was just talking about poker. Hey, if you've got the big stack, you got all the chips, not all of them, but the biggest stack at the table. Okay. You can put people to decisions. You can take risks. You can sustain a bad beat. But if you are down to a short stack and you are either do or die, you can't sustain a bad beat. And everybody knows it. Hey, just go all in all the time and just force this person to wait until they've got the nuts. And then we know, and then then don't call. That's like retirement. Hey, if you're 20 years out, okay, 15, getting closer. If you're five years from retiring, you can't sustain a bad beat. So go with Bulwark Capital Management, who's completely focused on risk management, 
right? And on stewarding money in a godly way. And know that the chief investment officer himself is 90% of his family's net worth tied up in the same company. You think he's not going to steward it well? And the performance just indicates that they do. Call them at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. 866-779-RISK. Investment advice can be given with a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. So does it, Yeah. Oh, you like that one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's hot. <laughs> I think I think TD Ameritrade is going to be calling you to do their uh, commercials. <laughs> I can talk so fast. Well, just don't make it big pharma. Oh, I got to tell you, it's really funny. We did a show this week. You know, um, we did, and you were a big part of this, you know, that we created that agreement with um, uh, a radio syndicator. We're going to announce who they are next yeah. week, by the way. Um and so there's some programmatic ads running and we've been doing everything we can to block pharma and government ads. I did a show about how amazon.com is apparently selling suicide kits to children, despite the fact that it's killed kids for real. And, and they're bundling the, yeah, but the they're, they're bundling. But have you seen the profit margins? Have you seen the profit margins? <laughs> well, though? I'm sure. Yeah. Well, except they kept killing. I mean, Todd, I know it's shareholder equity, right. man. That's what it you is. Yeah, and plus they, they told <laughs> the lawyers who are suing them. Oh, we're not, we're not liable. We're not liable. <laughs> I'm I'm so I'm so enjoying oh, tech. I'm so enjoying tech. Now we have a new buzz. We're never supposed to talk behind the scenes, but everybody can hear it. Okay, guys, I'm aware there's a buzz. I don't know what's going on. It's I don't it's, hear a buzz. Well, it's, maybe it's just my headphones. Maybe it's just my headphones. Uh, let's hope it's just my headphones. So um, now I just completely forgot what I was doing. What's it doing? It's the first time this has ever happened I mean, to me performance. Well, I mean, I mean, we were probably going to talk about. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, shoot, man, this, this is your show. I, I know this has never <laughs> happened to me. This has never once occurred to me. Um, no, let's get back to the poker metaphor. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Did that work? Did the poker metaphor work? Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was 100% accurate. And I, the one thing I would like people to, for people to understand is that it doesn't mean you're a bad poker player. It, it, it just means that you don't do it every day. You know, like one of my clients called me today and he goes, Hey, good pull on pulling the shorts. Why'd you do it when you did it? And I was like, do you want the real answer? Do you want me to give you an academic answer? And he goes, I want the real answer. And I go, cause the volatility index was negative and I didn't like the feel of it. And so we pulled the shorts. Yeah. And, and that's, and I don't say that Todd boasting and saying, Oh, yeah. you know, look at me. I know I just, when you do it day in and day out, like I, you know, I, being a retail investor has been easy over the last two to three years and, and truthfully over the last 15. But when you look at things, when does it matter? And we talk about this all the time. Bear markets are really where you need professionals. Bear, bear markets are tough because they're the inverse of bull markets. Meaning if you look at a bull market and you observe it over time. The, everybody's like, oh, you know, the last 15 years are a perfect example. They look at it and they're like, oh, what a great run in the markets. And you go, okay, but look at it on a daily basis. The average daily advance in the bear market, I think, don't quote me on this, but it's something like 0.18% up, right? So you have this steady grind higher. Um, and, and bear markets are the inverse of that. Meaning the general trend is lower, but your biggest daily move, 
usually when you get the big move, they're to the upside. In a bull market, it's the inverse. Your biggest moves are to the downside, right? So everybody thinks the economy's on good footing, market's steadily going up, and then a piece of bad news comes out, everybody freaks out, market drops 2% in a day. Okay. Bear market is the... Bear market is the inverse of that. Okay. So the general trend is lower. And then for whatever reason, maybe good news comes out. Maybe it's a day like today where really bad news comes out. And because of market structure and market sentiments and, and positioning and all that kind of stuff, that markets rally. And the reason bear markets are so dangerous is because retail investors are used to looking at market moves and determining, oh, now is a good time to invest because the market is going up, right? Or, oh, look at the rally today. This stock market drop must be over. Well, what they don't realize is that the news that got announced today literally couldn't have been worse, right? Which is kind of one of the reasons, it's probably the major reason, that you saw a rally. And, and people go, well, what do you mean, Zach? Well, we were very short going into the day. We were betting that, that, that the inflation data was going to be bad and that markets would drop. But about 15 minutes into the market session, the Dow was down like 600 points, 580 points, something like that. Uh, NASDAQ was down 3.2% or something. But the volatility index was flat. Now, this is not a rule. There aren't any rules in investing, right? The markets can do anything, period. And anybody that tells you otherwise is a charlatan. But in my experience, when markets are down big and the volatility index is flat or negative, that tells me to get out of the way if I'm on the short side. Meaning, it, it, if, if, that, if that fall we got in the beginning of the session was real, the volatility index should have been up 15%, and it wasn't. It was actually down like 0.2%. Okay, so, so this is why I was using the poker metaphor, and I think this is where I got lost. This is where earlier in the show, I, I for the first time, literally the first time in my, my podcasting or broadcasting career, I completely forgot what I was saying. Here's what I mean. Um, you guys and, and the big players like Soros and um, Steyer and uh, our friend from BlackRock um, – Fink, they know how to put retail investors on tilt in mass. They know what's going to happen, and they've got the big they've got the big stacks, right, Zach? They sit on the big stacks. Yeah. So yep. when I'm sitting at that table and there's a bunch of engineers, it's the opposite thing almost because those guys have a whole bunch of quants and computer systems and quant built computer systems and second by second trading. And they can, they can crush a market. They could say short everything in this sector and they could do that and sit back and watch people panic and get out. And they could do all sorts of rhythm buying around that. Same thing with me in reverse, where those guys I was playing against, they weren't they they didn't understand I was I had no care what what their cards were. I'd I had a care with how they were reacting. I had a care with how their facial structures. Um, yep. and I knew I could not beat them in the mathematical game. So in order to be able to beat them, I had to put them on tilt and not be able to understand a thing I was doing. I had to become the most unpredictable person at the table. 
Yep. And um, I put them into a very bad position. And then it got late in the night and I got tired and wanted to go home. So I, I, I blew myself out. Right. But, right. but, right. but those guys can do that. The big market makers, or as I call them, the game makers, Hunger Games, the game makers can do that to, uh, to um, crowds of people. And so my question is, how often do you have these huge institutional moves where they're saying, hey, you know what? Let's just take retail investors and, and let's take less, not, not less sophisticated, but people who don't have all day to look at this stuff. Let's just take some of their money by putting them into an emotional tailspin. Oh, it, it, look, it happens all the time. And, and one of the ways that it happens, and, and uh, what's really funny, if everybody wants a little insight on this, pull up a YouTube video and uh, uh, search Jim Cramer and listen to some of his, his altruistic moments when he talks about spoofing the market. Meaning, <clears throat> so one of the easiest ways to do it is futures markets, are extraordinarily illiquid. So you can go into futures markets with a relatively small amount of cash. Now, it's big compared to, you know, big in our terms, but like think about Goldman Sachs and the buying power they have. They can throw $200, $300 million at the futures markets and move it 150 basis points or 1.5%, right? And people pick up on that. Normal, like, the oh, futures markets are up big means we've got to go in there and buy at the open. And I cannot tell you how many times I know people. Uh, funny story, one of the guys I'm talking to on, uh, uh, that I've been communicating with on Twitter uh, is one of the guys that was the trader in the movie of The Big Short. So he, he was actually the real-life person. Um, Steve Carell in that movie was representing a guy. It's not his name in the movie. They used a different name. But in the movie, the guy's name uh, was, uh, I can't remember what his name was in the movie, but in real life, it was a guy named Steve Eisman. That was the, the character that Steve Carell was playing. And one of his traders on that team was Porter Collins. And that's actually his real name. Uh, it's, a, it's a guy that I've, I've met on Twitter, and I'm actually going to have him on the show for an interview. So he was on that, he was on that team that made you know, $1.5 billion shorting credit default swaps um, in, the, in, the, in the financial crisis. Um, and what people don't understand is that guys that are trading in that size, they can do all sorts of things. To man- so they'll spoof the market, juice the futures in an effort to get out of a position that they want to get out of without hitting themselves, right? So let's say they own a big position in Microsoft and they want to get out of it. Well, they might go throw two or three hundred million dollars at the futures on, on just an open bid, meaning they're just throwing it out there. And and futures are very illiquid, so they can run the futures up on that. The minute the market opens, that stock that they want to sell is up one and a half percent, and they hit the bid and get out. Um, that stuff happens more than anybody realizes, and that's why when you're trading a bear market, I was explaining to a colleague or a client today. I go, literally, trading a bear market is like trying to ride a wild, greased pig. Meaning, there are so many people doing different things. There's fear involved, right? There's there's all kinds of things you don't understand. And what you have to do is you've got to, A, keep your eyes fixed on the fundamental picture, right? So today, the fundamental picture got worse. 
then you, then secondarily, you have to keep your eyes fixed on what the market is doing. And I've had a guy, a guy by the name of Bill Fleckenstein, who, who's written a couple books, pretty well known in the industry, Seattle native. Uh, he was running a short fund and he opened it in 2005 and he ran it through the financial crisis. And he thought the whole real estate thing was going to collapse. Market dropped 63% top to bottom. He was running a short fund and he made 40% during the market collapse. Now that's a really good return. But like Bill would tell you, that's not what he was hoping to make. He was hoping to make 150 to 200%. Why did he only make 40%? Because bear markets are so tough to navigate. Everybody's like, well, why don't you just short it? And you're like, well, it's the bear market rallies, right? Like you have to have guts of steel to ride through those things. Like or when the short or the big stack, or yeah, or the big stack, like you, like you point to, right? Because those guys can move the market. the The funniest thing, Todd, was yesterday. A, a, one of my buddies on Twitter put out a thing where he goes, "Here's my prediction for tomorrow. We're going to go down big, then we're going to go up big. Everybody's going to get drilled. Everybody's going to get drilled." except Ken Griffin, he's going to make a ton of money. I retweeted him today and I was like, dude, what a call that was. Meaning, though, it, you're, you're just, it's like Rounders, the movie Rounders. If you, can't spot, if you can't spot the sucker at the table, you're the sucker. Right. And when you get into bear markets, that could not be more true. And, and the reason why is because, like today, like I said, the quadfecta, higher rates, higher inflation, higher unemployment. And there was another quad in there too. Uh, higher dollar. Okay. Stocks go on a vicious rally. Why? Market mechanics, probably shenanigans going on behind the scenes. Right. But, you know, and we were heavy short going into today. So it, market was up like 2.7% or something like that. We were only up 0.5. But we're also up 3% over the last three months or two months. So you, you just have to take your wins in small doses and you have to guard against the downside. And um, I mean, I wish there was a manual to tell people, you know, I could probably get rich selling that manual, but it, it's, it's like my client called me today. He's like, why did you sell that? That was a great move. And I just said, it didn't look right. You know, the volatility index is flat. Market was down 3%. It's always a bad sign. And, and that's where you get into – when you're in a bull market, Todd, I, I, you know, you can just follow the fundamentals and you can invest in companies. And all. It, but where all the money is made and lost is in bear markets. And that's really in my – and I, guys, I'm not sitting there trying to extol myself and say that I'm the biggest genius or whatever. But if you do the same thing for 20 years you know, and, you, and you're staring at screens all day, you tend to get better at it. Um, you get a feel for it. And when it comes to navigating bear markets, I, you know, I wish I could deliver more like technical analysis, right? And tell right. You, no, but, just, but that's no, you delivered a far, far more important than a technical analysis. There's market makers, there's game makers. They want to put the public on tilt. They, um, they, they win when the public goes on tilt. And, and that would bring us back to where I always like to wrap up our discussions, which is a reminder about this because, 
Um, they are, and when I say they, I want to identify them. Um, of course, the World Economic Forum um, is at the top of this stuff. Um, there's a lot of people at the top of this stuff who want to create shortages. In COVID, yep. they created a shortages of solutions. It was all false. It was all lies. It was all a psyop. There was never a shortage of solutions. There was never a reason that needed to go down this path where people get injected. Now you have Moderna who's announcing, oh, by the way, uh, we've got a new mRNA injection to help people's um, hearts get fixed after we you know, destroyed their hearts. That's true. That's a fact. They're marketing that. Just yeah. A, yeah. a year after Pfizer bought for like a billion dollars a company that, oh, what do they have? Oh, look, they have a they have an injection that, that helps solve heart problems for the first time in ever. Pediatric clinics are are truly being overrun with kids who have severe respiratory problems. Yeah. First time ever. Yeah. So they created a shortage of solutions. They're doing the same thing with the energy scam. There's a shortage of solutions. Can we use oil? No. Uh, natural gas, no. Nuclear, no. It has to be electric. Why? Because we intend to flip the entire inventory of cars in the world. We intend yeah. to to purposefully make obsolete gas vehicles to force you to buy a new car. And we know you can't afford this, so we're going to rent them to you because we don't want you to own cars. Food. Yeah. Wow. You know what? We have got to stop eating this or that. People need to eat bugs. We've got to stop. There's got to be because they intend to flip everything. They invent these shortages. And so I'm reminded of the prophet Elijah in first Kings 17, verse eight through 16. I won't read the whole thing because it's a very long verse and, 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 and we've had such technical challenges in the show today. And I'm, I'm feeling like I owe everybody a refund, I, especially you, because we've had these technical issues today, Zach. But what happens is that the Lord, uh, the Lord, you know, had Elijah as a prophet. God did. And Elijah was hungry and he was on the run and he went and he, he met a, a woman who was a widow and she had kids. And he said, Hey, could you please bring me some, some bread and some water? And she said, Oh, truly, sir, I tell you, you know, I was going to make dinner for my family. I don't have that. He said, okay, then do this. You know, go make a, a tiny little cake for me uh, with some oil and, and something for your kids. Tiny little thing. Bring that to me. And we're going to have then oil forever. And, you know, so she went away. She did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And th- what he said to her is, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. Don't be afraid. And this is this mimics the Lord feeding the 5,000. And what I want people to remember is God is not a God of abundance. He does not invent yep. shortages. People who invent shortages, particularly when they're invented shortages, um, they're stealing. And it's not just from you. They're stealing from God. And God sees he's the God who sees. So I think you've done something far more important, Zach, than provide a technical explanation of a bear market. I think we've talked about the fact that there are people whose goal is to scare us. It was the goal in COVID. It's the goal with the climate catastrophe swindle. Um, it's the goal in the food supply is to scare people. If we be not afraid, then guess what? It's far, far easier for us to, to resist being wise in our own eyes, to fear God and, uh, and, and um, to shun evil, right? I mean, let's remember God is a God of abundance. Yeah, no, and 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 Todd, I, you know me. You know I'm very careful about uh, 
talking about market direction, but and 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 extrapolating <clears throat> virtue or morals across markets is very dangerous. But I think we're at a point where if you're a rational thinker and you believe in God's law and God's rules and and just natural law, I, I think you know what's going on, right? Um, what what was announced today was not good. And I think that this is a classic. It's one of the reasons why I'm sitting at my desk right now. And to the right of me, I have a sign that my wife bought me for Christmas. It's the verse Micah 6.8. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Uh, and then to the front of me, I have the Rudyard Kipling poem, If. Uh, if you can keep your head about you when all else are, or all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can, uh, but if you can if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowances for their doubting too, um, we you know what's right, right? Deep down, you know you know what's right. You yeah. know what's happening. This is not a good path, right? Now, I'm not encouraging, and I'm not saying this to drive people to us. My business is in God's hands, and it has been since the very beginning. So. I'm really not, you know, we're on the radio and we do the thing with you. I'm not a big believer in marketing, though. God will have the clients that God wants us to have. Uh, but what I will say is that if you don't have experience navigating these times, just, you know, swallow your pride and talk to somebody that does because it's, they're going to fake you out. And market price, everybody goes, market price is reality. Not true, right? Fundamentals always went out. And it's about navigating these times and it can be difficult. Nobody does it perfectly. Not us either. Right. It's like trying to run through a rainstorm and not get wet. Um, and that's why I tell all of our clients, it's like a 12 round, it's, it's like a 12 round champion fight, championship fight. We're going to lose a round here or two. But the point is, is, you know, again, we're sitting here, stock market's down 23, 24%. And by God's good grace, our average client's down two, two and a half. Um, after having a great year last year. So, yeah, you know, I, I I think you said it perfectly. It's 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 you're, you're you're battling people you don't understand and movements you don't understand, and you think price is reality and it's not. And like I said, you know, we'll see if I'm wrong, and I'll have no problem admitting if I'm wrong. But my personal belief is is that you see what happened today. I will be surprised if by tomorrow, Friday, or Monday of next week, uh, that we haven't given all this back. Um, and we're probably at new lows. Now, if we're not, that probably be, it's not a good sign. It probably means you're in a bear market rally. Again, today, inflation came in hotter on all levels than it was expecting. Yesterday, wholesale inflation came in hotter than anybody was expecting. And then also today, rates went up and unemployment jumped. Okay. There is no fundamental reason for the rally. And this is what makes bear markets so dangerous is people go, yeah, but you say that, Zach, but stocks are going up. Right. Okay, hold on. Give it time. Give it time. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And uh, anyway, so no, you're, you're 100% right, man. And it just takes that discipline. And, 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 and I think, now I'm biased. I do this for a living, but I think it's time in the saddle too. You know, like my client that called me today and goes, why'd you sell those shorts? Good move, but why'd you sell them? And you just go, it didn't look right. Volatility index was flat. Market was down 3%. I don't like it when that happens. And 
we'll take some profits and sit on the side, yep. you know? So yeah, that it's, 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 it's a brutal environment. And if you're out there trying to navigate it on your own, good luck. Cause we're having, we're, we're having a tough time. And, uh, you know, we've got pretty good performance right now. And, um, you know, I, I, I think I told you, you know, between my analysts and the research that we buy, you know, I'm, I'm paying a million and a half dollars a year between my analysts and my research. And, um, you know, if you can do better, great. But if you can't, and if you're flummoxed, um, there are answers and it comes down to risk management. It yep. really does. And it, I know that's why the, 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 the fund is set up that way. The firm board capital yep. management. I always appreciate you coming on. And I'm always glad when uh, my little monkey like examples work um, in, in comparison to just winding it down to people like me. Appreciate you. brother. <laughs> Please go with God's good grace. All right, pal. I appreciate you having me on and, and thanks again and look forward to it every week. This is the Todd Herman Show. I want to apologize for the tech stuff. Uh, man, last week was stellar. This week, just slapped down by tech demons. We'll get it worked out. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And remember, God is not a God of shortages, but a God of plenty.